It's game time. Spill and tea and talk in sports. You're listening to the Game Day Tea Podcast mm-hmm. with your host, my name, D. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Game Day Tea. I'm your host, D. Gill. You can find my podcasts on Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to your podcasts uh, at the Game Day Tea. I have a very, very special guest with me today. Canada's active first openly gay national team athlete, former professional Canadian volleyball player, Chris Voth. Welcome to the Game Day Tea. Hey, thanks so much. I'm glad to be here. No problem. Chris, on my logo, I if people go to my logo, search the game day to you'll see I have little sports icons and ball icons. And one of them is a volleyball. And I told myself now Gill, there's no way you can have a volleyball as a part of your logo. And you haven't even talked to a volleyball player. So thank you so much for not making me look <laughs> crazy. <out laughs> oh, here no problem. <laughs> and being my guest. Uh, I first want to start off with this, though. When I saw that you were Canada's first active openly gay national team athlete and you're a volleyball player, that took some guts. Like, what made you, like, even want to come out and be Canada's first openly volleyball player? Well, I was, when I was growing up, I um, started discovering my own sexuality. And um, I, I noticed that there weren't any athletes that were currently playing who were out. So I assumed that I would have to go down the same path. And I was just planning on coming out after my career. And I didn't know how long that career would be, but I just assumed that's how things were done. So I, I was just kind of going with the flow that way. But eventually I was, I was trained with the national team full time and I was just ready. I decided that I was, I wanted to, to be a role model and, and set an example that you can be out and uh, still play professional sport and still play for a national team. So kind of just went with the decision and, uh, yeah, it was it was a pretty wild ride. <laughs> yeah. Were you kind of hesitant in doing so? Were there anything that made you kind of think twice before your decisions? Did you go back and forth? Oh, yes, no, no, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Um, I was I was pretty determined to to do it, uh, but from the beginning of the time when I uh, spoke to the um, the author of the of the article, it was quite some time. I think it was maybe like two months or something. So there's a lot of time to think there uh, and a lot of things happening in between. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, it ended up, um, I think, coming out in early January. And uh, yeah, it was it was such a humbling experience. I got messages from from thousands of people across the world. Yeah, it, it really it was. Yeah, it was amazing to kind of feel that support and to, you know, to try and push the barriers a little bit and um, create more of an, an open space for everyone to participate in sport. Wow. And to give everybody a timeline that's listening, this was in 2014. And this is even before uh, I think Obama legalized gay marriage. And so this was, I'm pretty sure that was pretty big what you did. You said people were accepting like fans and stuff. How did your teammates take it at the time? Uh, Well, at that time I I was with the national team. So Mm -hmm. um everyone like I I had known them for quite some time already and we were already pretty close and um, the national team is always always really supportive here in Canada I think uh, the volleyball national team specifically is the only national sports federation um, actively trying to eliminate homophobia and make it a more accepting place that 
um, that came out in, in an article. Um, and I think that has to do with, with uh, part of their like strategic plan and that they, they it's they're the only sport to actually cite that in their strategic plan. So that's kind of cool. Um, but they're, they're very supportive. Um, I went and asked the national team first, if it was okay, if I could, you know, do that. And they're like, for sure, hundred percent, we're, we're behind you all the way. But as you would know, like going over to Europe, it's always a little strange because you have to kind of keep coming out to your team over and over. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I, I played in, in Czech Republic and in Finland, and those places are a little mm -hmm. far east, I think. Um, yes. <laughs> so it was a, a little bit tougher than when I was playing in the Netherlands. But um, yeah, I, I enjoyed every team I played on. And um, by the end of the season, I was... I felt like, you know, we made some progress. Wow. So you mentioned Czech Republic, the Netherlands, a little bit tougher. When you say tougher, did you, are you meaning in a sense of like probably some homophobic environments, maybe some fans saying homophobic slurs? Like, give me a little bit more background into that. Sure. First, the Netherlands is the, I think, the most accepting place. Uh, the guys there are just incredible. And um, <laughs> my, my third year, I went to Finland. Uh, that was... So I, I signed a contract and I was after Netherlands, I was looking to make a big step in my career. So I signed a nice contract. And then the day after they actually canceled the contract because um, they didn't want a gay player. So they cited that as their reason. Um, and then, so I trained with the national team again for a couple months and then went out to the, to Finland. Uh, and on that team, none of the Finnish guys on the team had ever met a gay person before. So it was quite the experience. Um, Felt a little bit of pressure there because I'm like, uh oh, here we go. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, only a couple months later, they ended up uh, being the first professional volleyball team to walk in a pride parade. All right. So we made we made some pretty good progress in a short amount of time, which was nice. Um, but yeah, it was it was j like they just had never experienced being with a gay person before. So, wow. you know, everything is is kind of foreign and new and they don't know how to act or what to say and what, what they can ask if they have questions. So, um, you know, it's kind of just up to me then to, um, be open and, and, you know, if they do something or say something a little strange, then just laugh it off and not, not let it impact me too much. Yeah. Um, and then same thing in Czech Republic. I think some of the guys too, maybe didn't, didn't have so much experience with, uh, with a gay person, but, um, yeah, I mean, I always feel like deep down these these are good guys, so I give them the benefit of the doubt. So it's only near the end of the season when then I'm like, oh, maybe maybe I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> oh no, I I get I totally get that because I have a lot. Majority of my friends are identify as straight. You know, I identify as gay, and when I'm around them, a lot of times they'll say comments, and it sounds like it's just second nature to them. Oh, that bag or that that's gay yada 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 and i just go haha ha, laugh it off you know i'm really not a confrontational person i'm not i'm personally i'm not the one to say hey you better not use that i'm not that type of person i may come to you in private i definitely won't do it out in the open as a group and i wonder how do you feel about if when you've heard like i'm pretty sure you've had to hear derogatory terms um towards gay people and did you just kind of laugh it off or did you go up to teammates and say hey you know that's probably not cool can we not use that terminology what what did you choose to do uh well the the glory of playing in europe is mm -hmm. i can't understand the fans 
So mm. if, if the fans are saying something, then I'm totally not impacted by it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's a bit of a bonus there. Um, for teammates, it was, the language wasn't so bad. I think that so, like, yeah, like initially, even if the teams were maybe a little homophobic, they would still be afraid to say something. So they're hypersensitive of their language. And they're also, they don't have kind of those, um, uh, like they're not just going to do, to drop like fag or something because that's to them it, like English is a second language. So they don't, you know, randomly just throw those in. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have, they're very deliberate with the words they choose, I guess. Um, so that's not so much of a problem too, but mm-hmm. uh, it did. I think like when I would hear language that was bad, maybe it was in Canada or maybe not. Um, usually depending on how it went, I would just talk to the person afterwards. Cause if you get confrontational, then they'll get defensive and then it gets worse. So maybe I'll just talk to them after or make a joke about it or um, something like that. But I think it's, you know, I always try and kill people with kindness. So I don't, I don't want to make it like a battle of, of me versus them. I just, you know, want to take them along for the ride. Exactly. I I totally agree with that statement there. I I feel like if I'm going to correct one of my friends, I don't want to be in a confrontational way. I want to do it in an educational way and say, you know, there's some people out there that feel really, really strongly about these words, and that includes myself. And if you would probably just change that word around, whatever you have to do, just don't look at it in a different way, because there's some people out there that really hurt and have really have had bad experiences around these type of instances. So I, I totally agree with you there. What I do not agree with is what happened to you. Like you said, we're backing up a little bit, how people didn't sign you onto their teams because you were gay. Uh, and, and it's not like you weren't good. I mean, you were a three-time volleyball champion. You know, you won the league championship, the Dutch Cup, the Super Cup as a left side. So it wasn't like your talent wasn't there. And that's why I, I really that I really struggle with that because so many LGBTQ athletes are good, but just because of who they like, they don't want them on the team. I really don't understand that. It's like, if you can play, you can play. How did you feel getting those phone calls from like your manager saying, well, they originally wanted you, but I have to do some research. I didn't get a call back. And I think I kind of know why they didn't give you a call back. How did that make you feel? Yeah, it was, it was tough. Uh, for, for one contract to go, I mean, it's not the end of the world. Usually you would go through a couple teams until you find a good match and you can find someone who's kind of willing to give you what you want. But I mean, when they cite the reason that they just don't want a gay player, then it's like, mm-hmm. well, that's, you know, that's not great. But um, mm-hmm. it did kind of give me the, the chance to readdress the issue. And, and here in Canada, people like to think we're, we're very accepting and it's, mm-hmm. um, you know, a good atmosphere. And so most of the feedback that I would get would be, well, why do you have to come out? Like, I don't come out as straight. Why do you have to come out as gay? Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is a good example of why you need to do that because it's, it's not an equal playing ground. Right. There's, um, there's still, you know, homophobia out there and you're still going to be facing these barriers. Um, I think what's, what's really tough is when my agent would tell me that, uh, he would, like you said, would be talking with the team and they just won't respond to emails just randomly. And he oh. said that doesn't happen with his other players. Usually it's, it's very 
um, like professional where they're just like, oh, you know what, we're going to someone else. Sorry about that. But then with me, it was um, just radio silence. And so that would happen a lot. And so I got held back a lot. I wasn't really able to make it to the, the level that I felt like I was able to, to go to. Um, and he actually related it to his own experience playing because he's a person of color and that he would have trouble making these teams also um, during his career because, um, you know, he would back then you had to send your VHS overseas. So it was a, a little bit more of a delay, um, but he would send his tape and then they'd see it and then they just wouldn't wouldn't contact him again. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's crazy that that this is where we are, but um, I was was thankful that I got to be part of the the good fight and um, you know, can I have a second purpose to my career? So I appreciated that. That's good. And I, I, I'm glad things worked out for you. Um, do you think that's still going on? Like people not getting signed because of their, uh, identity as a LGBTQ athlete in volleyball? For sure. Um, for sure. Like the sport of, of volleyball, uh, when you're playing professionally, it, it's, it, it's not like other <laughs> North American sports. So it's, mm. um, you know, it's, it's a crazy business where everyone is, um, you know, look, just looking out for their own interests. And so they're not really willing to take, you know, a risk mm-hmm. per se. Um, and so I think that that does hold a lot of athletes back with that being said, some countries, it, it's not an issue. Like in Netherlands, it's, it was amazing. Uh, that's why I went back there. Um, and played three seasons in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where all my, my best friends are now. And that's where I was coaching professionally because it's just such a, a great environment and they're so friendly and welcoming. Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, it's sad to think about it, but mm-hmm. you, if you look at all the kind of major sports in North America, there's no actively gay players playing on any of those sports. So, and only, mm-hmm. only a, a handful of people have come out after their careers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, um, I don't think it's an indication of the sport being homophobic and I, I don't think that's fair, but something is preventing these athletes from either playing the sport or coming out when they're, when they're playing the sport. Um, and so I just, wow. yeah, that's, I, that's part of the reason why I wanted to come out just to, mm-hmm. you know, set an example and try and be a role model for, for kids growing up who think that, that they can't play just and because of who they are. That's so needed to, uh, and we have a lot of work to do in every sport, not just volleyball, to show that, hey, you can be who you are as a member of the LGBTQ community and be good and be proud of who you are. And that leads me to my next question is, and you've mentioned in Canada, why do you think it's homophobia is so more prevalent than some of these other countries like the Netherlands? I, I'm I'm trying to think myself of a reason why, and I can't think of anything. So you actually experiencing it, why do you think that's so? Yeah, that's that's tough. I think it it's more homophobic in the sport culture than in like everyday um, society, mm-hmm. and maybe that has something to do with. Um, I mean, there's a lot of money in North American sport. And so teams aren't, aren't looking to take any, again, any risk Risk. and players don't want to risk their careers because you can make so much money. Um, If you also look at the sports, they are typically more physical. So like a football or a hockey, um, those are rougher sports and Mm -hmm. uh, statistically, uh, you know, the LGBT or I guess gay men in particular Mm -hmm. 
um, are less likely to play those sports uh, statistically. So, and it's harder to come out when you're playing those sports. So I've actually, I'm doing my master's right now and um, the coming out experience is, is part of my uh, research. And so I've read up quite a bit about this now actually. Um, and so it's really interesting to see the, the different factors that play into which is specifically gay athletes, what sports they play and how easy it is for them to come out when they're playing those sports. I was reading the CBC article, Canada, a laggard on homophobia in sports. And for those of you all that haven't read the article, uh, there was a study surveying uh, 1,173 lesbian, gay, and bisexuals ages 15 to 21 living in Canada, United States of America, Britain, Australia, New Zealand, and Ireland. What they found out, Chris, was 48% of the Canadian youth who came out to teammates reported targeting of reported being a target of homophobia um top type of behavior that was just not conducive to the environment uh, that's very interesting to me because that has to directly play into why there are no uh, just athletes just popping at the scenes bursting out and coming out right now is that they experience it at the youth level already before they even become professional sports not even talking about college it's just it why do you think that it is so important that we need to cut it off at the youth level more seminars uh, education of youth sports to try to say hey this is not okay yeah the education is a is a big part of it and um if you if you can go after kind of the like you can think of sport as a pyramid so if you go after the base then by the time it work, works its way to the top, then it'll um, be a lot better. So I think that's a great strategy. And, and then it'll also have more impact in society um, as a whole. And what's, what's nice about that, that researcher um, who, who conducted that is he also gave some suggestions on how you can, you know, kind of turn the tide a little bit and um, make it a more accepting place. And most of it has to do with language. So if you can have people kind of monitor the language a little bit, then uh, that would that would have a, a big impact on that or on those experiences of those those youth. Hopefully, some new initiatives coming out where mm -hmm. um, maybe a captain, for example, is is in charge of of monitoring the language on their team. Um, and for me, I think a nice selling point is you wouldn't hold a gun to your teammate's head because, like, you're they're your teammate. You would, you know those are your friends or they're essentially family. So you would, you never want to like harm one of your, your family, but using this language actually does that. And you can see the, the suicide rate is actually quite high in, mm -hmm. in the LGBT youth. And um, you know, this is just a, a part of that. So if, if straight athletes can see it as th they're actually killing their teammates, then I think that would, kind of resonate with them a lot and help change their behavior. Oh, that's powerful. I, I didn't even think about that type of analogy. And I'll have to promote that more often because that's how serious we need to take it. Um, mm -hmm. And that, that same article said that sports has three languages. Uh, well, in Canada, English, French, and homophobic language. And we need to change that. You know, we need to change that. And I think a good way to start changing that, especially when we talk about how that many 48% of the youth experience that when they come out is start from the home. The parents stop using this language around the kids. They learn majority of the stuff from their peers, but what are these kids getting it from? From the older adults in their life. 
you know and so that's where it needs to start i don't care if you're straight correct it because you never know your own kid right chris could be struggling with who they are you may not even know it they haven't even told you and yet here you are uh, here's this kid looking on the tv screen and seeing somebody get called a fag we have to take a quick break here from the podcast but we'll be right back serving up the game day tea welcome back to the game day tea i'm your host d gill and i am talking to chris boff canada's first openly gay professional volleyball player and i think too there's there's um kind of a bigger presence in in media as well which i think is pretty cool like i remember the first time well growing up you everything is always a prince and a princess right you always have a a guy and a girl and that's just every narrative and throughout my whole childhood growing up everything um but i can remember the first time even seeing guys holding hands in uh in public or seeing you know two guys on a screen holding hands or kissing it it makes a difference right it, it makes yep. you feel that you're appreciated you're part of the the population um and it makes it makes a big difference so i think if people can kind of understand that a little bit then they can you know go that extra step and and try and make you know maybe it's their home or their team or or their mm-hmm. classroom or whatever try and make that more welcoming right what was your experience like uh, as a youth and coming out to your own family? Well, I came out to my family pretty late, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was right before I went to the to play for the national team full time. So oh, wow. um, we I actually drove there. So it was a, a 25 hour drive um, and Ooh. I left them a, a note. I, I hid it in the house. Mm-hmm. So I just put a letter somewhere. And then when I arrived at my destination, cause I didn't want to be thinking about it the whole 25 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I got there, then I told them, Hey, just so you know, I left you a note. Um, and here it is. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't, wasn't able to do it face to face. Um, it was pretty difficult for me, but I, I figured leaving a note was I could get everything that I wanted to say, put it on paper and then, I could, you know, I wouldn't get interrupted or I wouldn't get emotional. I could just leave it. And then that was it. So that's how I came out to my, my parents, at least, um, Mm -hmm. coming out to my team growing up, it was always just one person at a time. I, I kept it pretty, pretty quiet. I didn't want too many people to know. So, um, just a couple, you know, good friends here and there. And then, yeah. And then eventually just kept growing. Growing. And I, I want to, touch on this subject a little bit it's kind of a hairy situation and we could probably talk a whole nother hour on this topic and that's um your your parents were a very christian right and they grew up in the christian faith and it was it goes against as exactly it's not what they preach quote unquote right that yeah. being gay is accepting and so i'm pretty sure that had an impact on why how you came out because of you thought it would be negative uh, because of their faith. I really wish that there was more acceptance taught in the Christian faith because there are so many people out there like you, Chris, that it was probably infected. Yeah, infected. I'm thinking about COVID. Um, <laughs> uh, affected their ability to come out and be happy with that decision. For sure. And I see it like for myself, I struggled with my own sexuality growing up too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took a while to come to the realization of, of who I was. So I kind of need to give that that same benefit to them as well. So now I'm very close with my parents. Um, they're very accepting. But of course, there's always a bit of a learning curve. So just like with me, you know, so I can appreciate that. And um, it was kind of a newer thing when I started 
started coming out. So I can appreciate that it, it wouldn't be zero to a hundred, you know, in, <laughs> yeah. in a couple seconds, it, it mm-hmm. takes a bit of time and a bit of education, but um, you know, they grew up in a time when it wasn't okay to be gay. So I think yeah. that's, that's where they were coming from. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just wanted wanted the best for me, so they didn't. Yeah. You know, they felt bad that I was going to have to go through all those experiences that they thought would happen. Yeah. But you know, it ended up um, working out. And I love that unconditional love. That's very important. Unconditional yeah. love. And um, what would you say to athletes right now that are struggling with their decision to come out? Well. For me, the coming out experience was very positive and it, um, I could feel that I was playing better afterwards just because I just felt so relaxed and I could be myself and uh, I didn't kind of have those, those pressures and I wasn't always ha- having to look over my back um, or look over my shoulder, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, so I, for me, it was a positive experience. I, I you know, it's tough to, to make a generalized statement, but um, I think the biggest thing is that you know, they're not alone. There's, for me, I felt like I was the only gay person in the world. Um, The only one ever playing sport, you know, so, but of course I wasn't, you know, Um, Uh, if you can, if you can reach out to people and um, put yourself out there, there's, there's other people going through the same thing. And so uh, you don't have to be alone. You can go out and, um, and talk about, you know, your, your struggles and um, it'll only help. So you just kind of have to find the right people to, to go to. Um, but yeah, I, I think the, the part about not being alone is important because mm-hmm. um, I, I felt very isolated and very, you know, in my own little, little bubble. So yeah. that's just kind of my suggestion, but it's, and of course mm-hmm. I would like everyone to just be able to be out, but you know, for some people that might not be as much of a reality. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, yeah, I can only speak to my own experience on that, that it was a, a positive experience. And uh, I, I like that you said that you're not alone and that you brought up the point that it affected you, uh, your performance, because I talked it to I talked to Dr. Hannah Bennett and she was we talked about psychological factors in sports and she was telling me breaking it down for me yes it directly affects performance and play in sports because you feel like it's weight is on your shoulders you're constantly thinking about it and for those you all listening uh you may know some athletes or you may be athletes yourself go ahead and seek a sports psychology consultant or a sports psychologist you know and talk about what's going on because um it's we're making strides but there's there's still work to do and so i don't want you to feel like you are you can't be who you are personality wise and you can't be the athlete who you want to be because of what you're going through and uh, i know chris there had to be out of all the different countries you played in and tournaments and leagues there had to be some closeted gay men come up to you and be like wow man like you're 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 brave because I I'm gay too or I'm questionable or bi or whatever and I just I just can't do it. Did you experience that or am I just making an assumption right now? <laughs> oh, for sure. There's there's a lot of people out there. Um, I received a lot of messages and uh, and have heard about a lot of people. Um, but I mean that's that's their choice to make. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, I can appreciate that um, for the impact it had on my career that other people wouldn't want to do that because you work your whole life to to make it to the professional leagues and 
Um, if that's really what you want to be doing, then, you know, you would do anything to protect that. So uh, I can appreciate that they wouldn't want to come out, but, you know, at the same time, I'm like, yeah, but if everyone just came out, then, yes. you know, maybe then it would, it would like resonate with people, um, you know, but that's, that's their journey. And, and, um, you know, they do what they think is best and, mm-hmm. um, everybody's you know, situation is different. I get for that. Sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can, I can definitely appreciate that. So it's, but there are, there are other athletes out there for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, in all sports, and, uh, you know, a lot of them reached out to me and said, you know, like, Hey, you inspired me. I'm going to maybe come out to someone or, um, you know, made me feel more free, uh, back to your point about, about impacting, um, your own performance. Mm-hmm. I, I went to a, a, a 2S LGBTQ plus drop-in here in Winnipeg. And, uh, I ended up actually running the, the nonprofit for, four or five years afterwards because I, I saw the benefit of, of what this organization was doing for people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went to this drop-in. It was the first time I had ever met other gay people in like out in the community. Wow. And I, I was shaking because I was so nervous and I, I didn't know how to act. I wore street clothes because I didn't want people to recognize me at all. Um, <laughs> and that only took about three to five seconds for someone to go, Hey, aren't you Chris Falk? I'm like, no, how did you know that? Mm-hmm. Like, what are, you, what are you talking about? So, yeah. uh, so that was kind of strange. Um, but yeah, I was so nervous and, uh, it was so cool to just, you know, be immersed in the community. Mm-hmm. And then next day when I went to practice, my teammates were asking me if I was on steroids because I was jumping so much higher and hitting so much harder, um, just because I was so free and I was just like, there's other people out there. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, like I can be myself. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, for me, I, I felt an immediate difference and my teammates did also because they, they asked me like, what did you do? Like <laughs> what, like, how are you so different? And I'm like, yeah. Oh geez, I didn't even realize that. Mm-hmm. But, um, can you even imagine it coming from their perspective? You're at practice now jumping through the roof, you know, doing well. And then you tell them it's because like I came out and, the, and, and, uh, there's other people like me out there. Like, how do they even resonate? Like, wow. Like your whole performance that's that, that to me should tell them there needs to be more allyship yeah in sports you know because there's some pretty darn good players out there and you get that that person on your team that identifies as whatever they do in the lgbtq community you, you can have a player on your hands but mentally they're probably not where they need to be to perform at their best capabilities so allyship chris is what i want to talk about because that's what we need for sure yeah and uh, I wrote actually an article that was posted in Outsports not too long ago. Um, I don't remember the year. It might have been 2016 or 2017, mm-hmm. but it talked about the difference between uh, men and women at the Olympics who are who are out. Mm-hmm. And then in there, I also wrote um, the medal percentage. So the the athletes who are out medaled at a way higher percentage than their straight counterparts, which I thought was um it was very nice i was like you know we're doing it we're Mm -hmm. doing it Mm -hmm. so (laughs) um and of course there's a few factors in that with uh the the top athletes are the ones who feel comfortable coming out because Mm -hmm. you know they're already at the top of their um in the world they're some of the best athletes in the world so it's not like Mm -hmm. they um then would not be able to make you know a team um a lot of them were individual sport athletes though so Mm -hmm. you know it's they're not 
impacted by not right. being able to make a team or not kind of work on a team. Or the pressure is um, probably uh, hiding who they are, you know, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but I thought that was kind of cool that, yeah. uh, you know, the, the out athletes were, were doing, you know, better on average. Um, so I thought, what, did you, yeah. what do you think Chris would be like something that weighs so heavily on a identified straight person's uh, athlete's mind that could possibly affect their performance. I'm really trying to think like, and trying to correlate it between if I'm hiding who my sexuality, like that is, as you and I know, that is so huge as a mental aspect on your everyday life, not even just trying to play sports, but I'm trying to think what would be like a correlation to that, to somebody that identifies that straight, that really affects their mental you know, state of mind. Do you yeah, know you I think, anything? well, just like you said, where, um, like in sport, it's, it's a, at least for volleyball, it's a very mental game and mm -hmm. there's, you know, a lot of things to think about and try and, um, you know, capture in your, in your perception and use that data. And there's a lot of decisions that have to be made in, in a short amount of time. And I think if your, your brain is somewhere else, then you're not able to kind of process that information or collect as much. Um, mm -hmm. And you aren't able to maybe even enjoy the experiences. So uh, I, I think it's, it's just, you know, like brain capacity, like you're, you're focused so much more on, Oh, I don't want to be seen or get caught or, Oh, what did I say? I know for me, like uh, right when I'm about to go to bed, then I just get hit with all the dumb things I did in, in the last 24 <laughs> hours. And it's like, why did you say that? What are you doing? And then your brain starts going crazy. Mm -hmm. um, and I think people can relate to that. So if you think about doing that, but in sport, we're now, okay, I'm supposed to be thinking about this person serving at 120 kilometers an hour. But I'm thinking, oh, what did I do there? Like, did I, did, you know, I said something stupid. Are they going to know now? And then, mm -hmm. you know, it all it takes is, is like a hundredth of a second off and then you're going to miss that pass, right? right. So um and i it, bet it getting hit in the face from a <laughs> kilometer how does have you has that ever happened to you and if so i can't even try to get let my listeners know how that must probably feel <laughs> yeah it it doesn't feel great um <laughs> i like to think of the the ball as a pillow okay um but if you you know, it's it's not so bad just getting hit with a ball, but if you get hit in the head with a ball, then oh. it's it's not great. Yeah. Um, I like most of the time it would be on defense, not on a serve, because mm -hmm. um, you have a, a less time. It's half the distance. Yeah. Um, but I play in in the back of the court, so I'm always okay. kind of protected there. So that's, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to everyone who plays in the closer positions, but I'm, <laughs> I'm just chilling in the back. Do they put the taller people up front by the net? Or does it, how do they, how do they choose who goes up there to, to uh, so, tribute? <laughs> yeah. So normally your, your height would determine which position you play. Mm -hmm. And then uh, each, you have to rotate every time that the, uh, the other team is serving and you score a point. So okay, you rotate okay. very often. So you play an equal amount in the front row as in the back row. Um, but the taller players have a, another position called a libero that takes them out when they're in the back row so it's usually a shorter player goes in for a taller player mm -hmm. um in the back row so the the massive guys don't have to uh play back row oh right. so i i played libero for a little bit mm -hmm. um mostly when i was injured or coming back from injury mm -hmm. um but i was probably a, a taller libero like i'm six five 
Okay. Uh, but I would be kind of an average to shorter left side at the highest level. So wow, what are we talking like left sides like average height? Uh, I would say that I was pretty average. Yeah. There's uh, you know there's shorter, but there's there's definitely taller. Um, like six eight, I'm, like six seven, like yeah, yeah, around there. Side? Wow. Yeah. So I would say I'm I was. You know, maybe a little bit taller for some leagues, but most mm-hmm. most of the time, you know, pretty average. Well, hey, there you go, listeners. You get LGBT inclusion podcast, and you learn something about volleyball. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, to end this on a more positive note, there is work, good work being done, as you mentioned. Uh, your your team in the uh, rocked in the Arctic Pride. They're the first pro volleyball team to do so. What? else do you think needs to be done for lgbtq inclusion in volleyball uh no that's tough i think that dennison mm-hmm. uh his his theory is to go after the language because mm-hmm. um, it's difficult to change you know people's perception about things you can't just say okay we're inclusive now and now everyone's included um, but you can you can change kind of the culture by by doing physical things so if you can control the language and that's a very you know physical thing that exists um then that can have impact so i think language is one mm-hmm. um i think the education of of teams and and sports is is another one so when people realize that you're not going to go bankrupt by having a an out player mm-hmm. um you know and you just take people for their their merit on, mm-hmm. in the sport not for anything outside of that it's we all want to get to the same place um but there's a lot of different theories on how to get there so right i, I don't know exactly which which route is the best way now but um i think that if we just kind of keep fighting the good fight then yeah. you know we're gonna you know eventually have to get there yeah <laughs> so exactly <laughs> and, yeah. and more players um like he said it's your story it's your decision when you come out but the more players that come out in professional volleyball to show especially the youth that it's okay to be you it's okay to be a good athlete it's, in, it's okay to be a part of the lgbtq community uh that will be much needed as well chris if somebody is listening to my podcast right now and they're like wow his story his message really moved me i need to get in contact with chris how can they do that uh so they can go to maybe instagram my instagram is is chris voth so c-h-r-i-s-v as in victor o-t-h um you can send me an email chris voth at live.ca if people don't have social media which i think is a huge like benefit you know (laughs) i I would like if no one had social media but um so email is okay too but you know, if, if you just kind of search, then I would be on Twitter, on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I kind of go through the whole um, thing there. So unfortunately, but right. I think it's, a, you know, there, you can have benefits in social media and um, regardless of my feelings about it, if, if I can be reached by people, and I can help people through that. Then that's why I have them. So um, feel free to reach out and uh, I look forward to hearing from everyone. That's awesome. Uh, you can also follow me as well, D Gill at D G I L T M on Instagram and Facebook and 
Twitter verse and all that. Um, and, if, and if you like more stories like what you heard today from Chris, uh, you can follow the Game Day Tea. I have more episodes on my podcast that really just uh, what I'm doing here is I think one day Chris is going to make a huge impact on a lot of people's lives within the sports community, LGBTQ sports community. And I want to thank you so much for your time. I love I, I love talking to you and let's do this again sometime. Yeah, thanks. This is awesome. I'm I'm ready to come back anytime. So <laughs> this this went by so quick. I feel like we just started. So I know. Hopefully, fingers crossed that this COVID stuff gets under check and un you know in check, and I can come up to Canada and because I've I've been to what's the uh, of about Seattle, Vancouver. I've been there, but I want to go to different places. So hopefully, we can do like an in person interview and we can I can explore a little bit of more Canada. So. Nice. That'd be amazing. I was going to say, hopefully it's gone so I can come down there. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully in about a couple more days now, we get somebody in office that's going to really take this seriously. So crossing fingers on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, thank you, everybody listening. Always to remember, be you, be true, and be fierce. Bye-bye.